show up. Show up every single day, be there, ask questions, meet your team members, offer help, talk to customers, listen, say yes. And I would say that especially when you start a new role, it's amazing how many people don't show up and show up consistently, not just show up one day or show up one afternoon, show up every single day. It doesn't go unnoticed. And I would say the same for hard work. Behind the scenes, it was a small group of people that were doing everything. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I want to know how this insane growth actually happened. What are you doing when no one's around, no one's looking? Are you just showing up and doing the minimum? Or are you approaching it like a pro? Be a student of the game. Welcome, my friends, to a very special monthly bonus episode. Max is unfortunately out sick today, but uh, basically that just means he responds to emails in like, an hour versus five minutes. Uh, the hustle never never stops, but the show goes on. And this gives us an opportunity to highlight the man behind the scenes, one of the hardest working men in VC, uh, someone I feel very grateful to be in the arena with every day uh, and who has been an integral part of the GTM Fund success story uh, since the early days. I am joined by our principal and platform director, Mr. Paul Irving. Paul, welcome to the show, man. How are we doing? What's going on, my friend? It is, uh, it is good to finally be here. It's funny. I've been working with Max. We've been doing this for a couple of years together. It took a couple of years to learn that he is, in fact, a human being that does get sick every once in a while. Um, so happy to, happy to step in. Big shoes to fill, but it uh, should be fun. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's... It's pretty wild. I think uh, I've still seen him on Slack way more than he should be. He should be resting. So if uh, Max, you're listening to this, go go to bed, get some rest. Um, but man, this is this is pretty cool. And and not everyone knows this, but you and I have been close friends for what has it been like 15 years now? It's been a long time. Some people are saying too long, not me, but I've heard that. Uh, and it wasn't always so rosy, which is the best part. We were at a point in time early in that 15 years. We were, we were mortal enemies, my friend. <laughs> okay, you, you got to go deeper on that for the, the listeners. So how did we originally meet? And this is true. This is, this is very true. We, uh, we weren't big fans of each other when we first met. But why, why was that? Give some context. I was just going to leave that teaser there and let people try and figure it out for the next 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, so Scott and I originally met playing rugby against each other. And uh, Scott was the combination of both good and knew he was good, which is if you're playing somebody in a sport, pretty much the worst combination uh, you will ever come across. And so I had a ton of respect for Scott, but I wouldn't exactly describe myself as his biggest fan in the first couple of years we knew each other but had a bunch of mutual friends uh, over time realized we were far more alike than different and and became you know fast pals not long after that uh, and then there was the dorm vip days which was uh which was pretty fun i know you've alluded to it on linkedin a couple times but we right after you know college university days decided to start a business together go deeper Go deeper. We got to give the people a little teaser on, on that was what, what it was. So we, Dorm VIP was a laundry and grocery delivery service. And the whole conception of it originally when we were talking was what, what were the things that when we were that age, we liked doing the least or fell through the cracks the most often. 
And so we originally built the laundry and grocery delivery service specifically for college and university students so we could section off a smaller geographical area of the city and deliver to a demographic that we knew would be interested in the service. And it was it was a ton of fun. We did it for a couple of years. I spent every hour of our day uh, and night doing other people's laundry and delivering groceries, which in a funny full circle moment realization that the thing you built it exactly because you didn't enjoy doing these things. And we spent all of our time doing laundry and delivering groceries. So it was a ton of fun. You see a lot more subscription services and similar businesses these days. So we can always do the absurd claim to fame that we were just too early. We weren't wrong, uh, but ended up, you know, closing that down after a couple of years, distributing the assets. And you had some pretty exciting stuff on the horizon. And I had some stuff I was excited about on the horizon, but it was a fun journey and one where you can't recreate you know, some of the learnings uh, that we had actually building and, and running a business in business school or a classroom or otherwise. It was a ton of fun. Totally. Totally. I learned a tremendous amount from that time period. And it, you know, one of the biggest learnings for me was, you know, begin with the end in mind. And maybe that's something we, we missed a little bit of like, okay, what are, what's the lifestyle we're creating? What are we, what are we ultimately doing? And, uh, you know, we had things in the works that we were going to set up partnerships and stuff, but I wouldn't recommend turning yourself into a, a laundry man for those uh, listeners or a laundry person. Um, but nonetheless, you know, learned a tremendous amount. And then, you know, then we go our, our separate ways. So you spent some time at uh, BC Children's Hospital, actually, in like a project management uh, function. You know, I figured out from kind of the dorm VIP days and before that, that, you know, sales and marketing was kind of my strong suit. And I wanted to go learn more from great leaders and, you know, found my way into to tech. And then ultimately you went the finance route. But before, how did the kind of project management role at BC Children's Hospital, how, do, how does that help you today? It's interesting as I've gone on to do a bunch of other things in my career and have a lot of fun doing them, realize that almost everything has some aspect of project management to it. So it was a really great you know, organization to work for. Uh, uh, I was building mental health programs, resources, educational programs across uh, Canada and across BC, the province we live in. But you realize how much of any job is, you know, managing people, managing relationships, managing timelines, expectations, deliverables. We did a ton of speaking, um, building new projects, resources. And so it really was one of those jack of all trades type of jobs where I enjoyed it a ton and worked with some really smart people and got to do something I was really passionate about and still am that I get to do on a volunteer basis outside of uh, GTM fund and all the other fun stuff we do over here. But the project management skills we built, it's just so day-to-day and so applicable to a million different things. And, and yeah, I've been grateful for that uh, role and the things I learned from it ever since. Yeah. And we're, we're lucky to benefit from a lot of that operational rigor that you bring uh, to a lot of our, our programs. Um, and then, so what were you doing before uh, joining the, the fund? Because then you spent some time in finance. Yeah, so went back to school, studied finance, uh, and then ended up at the Royal Bank of Canada in a portfolio management uh, role, helping invest a uh, portfolio with a bunch of you know, really smart people. It was across 
private markets, public markets, debt, equity, alternative assets, the whole gamut of asset classes. And it was a funny conversation that we used to always have because, of course, we've been close friends ever since uh, the early days and especially since the dorm VIP days. And we used to always have conversations about how are we possibly going to work together again? Like, how are these, whether it was you and Max at Sales Hacker and then Outreach, you know, I was at the Royal Bank of Canada in finance, and how are these paths possibly going to cross again? And so when you and Max started GTM Fund, we were having more and more conversations about what that was growing into, where I could potentially help and got to join the two of you, you know, about seven, eight months into the journey. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we 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 made it happen. I went the SaaS route, you went the finance, and now we get to to bring the band back back together. And you know, now able to do a lot of cool things. You know, I look at last week we were in four cities in like seven days. Uh, we hosted an event in San Francisco with one of our partners, Bain Ventures, and of course we always bring a few of our LPs and founders together. And then we were able to partner with Cognizum and Sendoso to put on events in LA and Denver uh, with about 25, 30 of our operators and founders in each city. And, you know, I think it was such an interesting time period because it feels like everyone is trying to figure out what to do with this down market we're in. Obviously, the proliferation and evolution of AI is on everyone's mind, but I think it was interesting to see some of the common threads that kept coming up amongst our our leaders. And wonder if you would, you know, share some of those that just kept coming up every dinner that we did. Yeah, and that was what was maybe the most interesting about it is the prompts weren't leading in any particular direction. It was just the things that were on a lot of our revenue executives, revenue operators, and our founders' mind. Uh, the first one that came up every single time was AI's influence on the GTM stacking process. How does it impact the current tools that most revenue teams are leveraging already? What does the next pipeline of product innovation for those tools look like? What are the up and coming startups that are leveraging AI that our leaders could take more advantage of or that they should be taking advantage of? So that one was really pervasive in every conversation we had. But second one, which I would love to bounce it over to you on how these are interconnected, because I think we talked about how they were, is how partnerships and referrals are going to play a huge role in the future of pipeline creation and deal velocity. Um, so as you know, AI changes the GTM stack and the tools we're using, how those relationships we're leveraging will play an even more interesting role in go-to-market for a lot of companies. And then the last one, which again, probably ties more to the downturn side of things, but a lot of great companies have been thinking about for a long time is how does tech finally break into non-technical industries? There's a lot of fantastic products and companies that have built wonderful books of business and customers, but mostly within the tech industry that understand the playbook, that understand the motion, that speak the same language. And there's still so much meat on the bone to be had for tech to penetrate traditional industries, traditional verticals that aren't nearly as tech enabled as you know, your average software startup or even you know, IPO stage, late stage uh, software company. Yeah. And man, there's there's a lot of different directions we, we can go there. I think one of the things we kept hearing and talking about was AI is, seems like it's finally going to allow us to enable a better cold outbound motion. You know, I think the SDR function has been 
maybe struggling as of late because a lot of people are using the same kind of predictable revenue playbook for 11 years or so. And it feels like some of the best companies invested pretty heavily into community over the last little while. And I think some of these AI tools are just going to help us map out, call it community networks, understand them better, and then be able to find kind of your easiest access point into an account, uh, which is something I'm super excited about. We use it pretty extensively at at outreach in our own way. And I think AI is just going to enable that that motion more and more. And you know, to your last point on companies breaking into these non-tech industries, finance, insurance, manufacturing, you know, I think it's going to be done out of necessity. You know, a lot of budgets are frozen at tech companies. So if you need to hit your targets, you need to go find a way to find a compelling story, use case, value prop by industry. And, you know, hopefully we'll see those industries stop, start adopting tech more and more, uh, more software. And the other thing that, you know, I heard a few times was maybe as low code, no code, now AI, all these tools are just getting so much easier to use that we might see a situation where these industries who have been slow to adopt technology might like leapfrog some of, you know, the older software solutions and get straight to like an AI native platform, which will be a very interesting trend, but I'm sure the big incumbents will will have something to say about that for sure. Yeah, it, it really is fascinating. And it's why you hear a lot of other venture investors talking about their interest in vertical software right now. There's a lot of companies who have been very successful targeting a large enough market, but a specific market and building the tool for those users and for those customers and how much power you can really leverage when something is built for a very, very specific purpose that fits an industry and their workflows. So those those three things, I just want to, you know, reiterate them. So AI's influence on the go-to-market stack and process, you know, two, how partnerships and referrals will play a huge role in the future of pipeline creation and deal velocity, and then how tech companies are going to finally break into more non-technical industries. Uh, and, you know, my plan is to go deeper on those three subjects in future podcasts, as well as our GTM newsletter. A quick plug, if you're not subscribed, go check it out. Uh, we are also doing uh, a giveaway. So if you post the GTM newsletter on LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, we're going to be giving away some uh, GTM AirPod Pros uh, at the end of the month. Man, it just in terms of events, and I want to get to, you know, updates on the the fund and some of the interesting things we have going on. But uh, we're back on the road again next week. Uh, we have eight more of these dinners planned throughout the year in various cities. Uh, we've got a big retreat coming up in Napa in September. And you and I are actually flying over to Hong Kong. Uh, and GTM Fund is being hosted at the US Embassy, which is kind of crazy and pretty cool. And we're lucky enough to be meeting a bunch of international family offices. And it's going to be quite an experience. You have your, your suit ready to rock for that event yet? It sounds like it might be pretty bougie. <laughs> I do. I even, I even had to go into the wardrobe, get a new suit fitted. I think it's going to be ready 24 hours before we're supposed to take off. So fingers crossed. We have no delays there. It's going to be really fun. Hong Kong's a, a beautiful city and it will be really interesting to bring the venture model that we've been building for a couple of years here and, and share it with some 
new audiences, new investors, and some really smart people. Absolutely. Um, and then next week, we're back in SF, partnering with City Ventures, Alpha Square Group. I know you've been hard at work planning that event. What's the format, content schedule? What's it looking like? Yeah, so we've got a really fitting event given the conversations we were having at our dinners last week. It's Generative AI, Disrupting the Future of GTM. We're going to do a couple of panels. We have some amazing guests. Uh, the first one's going to be a venture panel, so investing in the new innovation cycle within RevTech. Uh, we're going to have Nina, who's a partner from Index. We're going to have Zio, who's a partner from A6Z. We've got Vibor, who's the head of AI and ML and data at City Ventures. Uh, and Shirley, uh, who's an investor with Alpha Square Group, it's going to be a great conversation. And then the second one, an operator panel, which is just going to be revisiting some of the really interesting conversations we had already. A couple of founders, uh, Quinn from Tavis, and uh, we've got KD from Simplified, really interesting tools, leveraging AI within the GTM stack. And then we've got Ricardo from Commvault, uh, the CRO, and we've got a surprise guest as our last panelist. It's going to be a, it's going to be a couple of good conversations. And then of course, as always, can't have some panels without a little bit of networking and happy hour afterwards. So we'll have food, drinks, and some good conversations once those wrap up. Hell yeah. Excited. I'm not excited to get back on an airplane, but I am very excited for that event. Hopefully we have better, better luck with our, our flights. Uh, last week we, uh, Got the short end of the stick for sure a few a few times, um, but no, that that's awesome, man. So, outside of events, what uh, what else has happened this month in the the fund? I always like to give a bit of behind the scenes. We've been building this thing in public since the very beginning, so let's keep it going. So we launched a new website. We launched a new website just at the beginning of May, which has been. Really exciting because there's a couple of years of thinking and building that always go into a rebrand. It's something we talk about internally all the time. GTM fund was really an MVP fund at the very beginning. It was, you know, Max got a bunch of incredible revenue leaders that you had built within your network. And the first logo was written on a deck in Canva. I think the period came from originally just to make it look more like a logo after you wrote GTM fund, which I love that part of the story. And that branding website got us, you know, two years, two funds, over a hundred incredible companies and founders we've gotten to work with, 250 plus GTM executives we've gotten to work with. And it felt like the right time to launch the public version uh, of the latest version of GTM fund. Yeah. And it's looking, it's looking good. It's looking good. Yeah. Our, our first website was literally Webflow using someone on Upwork with a budget of $500 and doing things the, the scrappy, hacky way that, you know, Max and I have, have done some things. Um, but, you know, our, our core focus has always been on our platform and just delivering the best product that we possibly can. And that's the flow of value from these incredible operators into our founders' brains and, and helping them with their go-to-market execution. And it's fun now to finally be able to spend a little time on, you know, branding, positioning, and and showcase that to the to the world now. And uh, jury's still out on who put the iconic period in front of the logo. Uh, Max claims he did it, but he's uh, he's not here to argue his side, so I'll leave that uh, where it is. Um, but 
uh, no, it's been it's been super cool. And then uh, deals. How did uh, how did deals look like in April? So we did one deal in April. We've got four more we're talking to in deep intelligence with. I know it's something that we talk about pretty frequently, but there is an incredible amount of talented entrepreneurs and operators out there starting companies uh, looking for early partners. And so it's been a fun time to invest. And we're excited to be able to share a little bit more as soon as we can go public with those particular investments. The other thing that was neat this month, which we've talked about all the time with our founders and especially new founders that we're meeting when they ask us, you know, let's talk through the value of having GTM fund as part of the journey. And one of the simplest ones is what you aptly coined as ungoogleable answers. Uh, it's the idea that so much knowledge from these operators who have been there, done that, isn't something you can just find easily on the internet. Google, even ChatGPT, as wonderful as ChatGPT is, it's not going to give you the level of detail, specificity, quality that you're going to get from someone who sits in that role day to day. And one of the easiest ways we can unlock that knowledge is the, the Slack community where we can go to a particular operator go to our marketers. A good example one that we just did this past month and shared was one of our seed stage companies is hiring their first couple of marketers. They wanted to know what they should be looking for, what's the candidate profile, who they should be hiring first, what are some interview questions you should ask. And we got multi-paragraph threads from CMOs, VPs who have built teams at successful companies with exactly the things you should be looking at, considering what interview questions you should be asking, what order you should hire people and how often or how spaced out those two individual hires should be. And we're able to turn around that to our founders within a couple of hours. So it's one of the many things that's fun about this job, uh, getting to work with smart people. But the ungoogleable answers one was one we want to highlight this month because it happens pretty frequently, but not something we share as openly as some of the other you know, introductions, advisory, candidate type relationships. Mm -hmm, for sure. And it's just, yeah, it just helps with, with speed and then also context. I think it's so difficult to ask sort of generic questions or for generic help uh, without knowing more context. And, you know, in the Slack channel, people can get super specific, like I need a PLG comp plan for an SMB AE that's competitive in like the Midwest. And it's just like super, super specific, which you ask that to chat GPT or Google, uh, you'll probably have to spend, you know, an hour on Google and chat GPT will probably make something up, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Cool to see. Um, awesome, man. So last thing before we wrap up is, you know, the amount of notes we get from partner VCs that we work with, founders that we work with, LPs that we work with, that are singing your praises is, is pretty insane. And I guess I wanted to ask, what do you attribute that to? And I guess we can put it through the lens of what's your career advice for folks, leaders listening to this who want to come in and have an immediate big impact on a company or a firm? Wow, giving away my secrets. I will say working with smart people always helps. And so I'm grateful for all the compliments that we get for the work that we are lucky to do here at GTM Fund. But at the end of the day, you know, we get to 
stand on the shoulders of giants and our operators and, and our GTM executives. And so they make me look good sometimes too, which I'm very grateful for. But it's an interesting question because I always reflect back on what's the best career advice I got. What's the stuff that I implement day to day? And one of the ones is actually advice that you gave me and we had some intimate conversations about over a decade ago, which is show up. Show up every single day, be there, ask questions, meet your team members, offer help, talk to customers, listen, say yes. And I would say that especially when you start a new role. It's amazing how many people don't show up and show up consistently, not just show up one day or show up one afternoon, show up every single day. It doesn't go unnoticed. And I would say the same for hard work. Those are pretty interrelated. But if you're showing up, you're putting in the effort, you are offering people help, you're asking where you can contribute, you are genuinely listening when they're sharing their own challenges, problems, whether that's a customer or a team member or somebody that reports to you. Those things really get noticed over time. And probably more importantly, there's a really impactful compounding effect of both, where if I'm starting a new job and, and I could say, Coming into GTM fund, having a finance background, there was still a ton I needed to learn in other sides of the business. But if I'm showing up every single day, if I'm willing to answer an email in the evening, on the weekend, answer a Slack, hop on a call on short notice, whether I'm on holiday, if I'm supposed to be off, whatever it is, it's extra minutes, extra seconds, extra hours that really do compound over time, especially the being willing to, to listen to people, whether that's folks that you work with, whether that's leaders you report to or people that report to you, those things really compound over time. Uh, so if I had to boil it down to just a couple things and as simple as they might sound, it really is the aspects of any role, any company that you have your control over, which is how are you showing up? How often are you showing up? And how consistently are you showing up? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fantastic, timeless advice and we've seen it play out in just the acceleration of of learning curve and impact and we'll continue to to see that um well brother this has been super fun it was fun to to have you on appreciate all the work uh you do show up every day consistently and crush it for the fund for our founders for our lps so thank you for that um appreciate you uh, i would urge uh, everyone listening to this to go follow Paul on LinkedIn. He doesn't post often, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna get him doing it more. And now he's on the on the hook because he's got a lot of uh, great insight in that mind of his. Um, but thank you for everything, man. Thank you. Now I have been publicly accountable to posting more often on LinkedIn. This is this was the plan all along. I know it. You were gonna get me on the podcast and get me to agree to post more often, which is uh, a chess play that I'm not surprised about. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on, my friend. Thank you, brother. And for all those listeners who hung out with us, we appreciate you. Uh, and go check out the GTM uh, newsletter. And we will see you next week back to regular scheduled go-to-market program.